it's 10 minutes past 9 and you're listening to RCD Radio on 102.9, 105.2 and 87.8 FM in the south of Luxembourg. We've got about 20 minutes left of the show and in this final section of the show, I'm joined by Jess Baldry from Silicon Luxembourg. Um, Silicon Luxembourg is a media company and a magazine that covers the business tech and startup landscape in Luxembourg. And this is the first installment of a new collaboration between RCD Radio and Silicon. We'll be having Jess or one of her colleagues in on a monthly basis to have a bit of chat about uh, what's going on in the world of Luxembourg's business and tech sectors uh, to keep listeners updated about those spheres. Good morning, Jess. Good morning. Good morning. Happy New Year. If Happy still New say Year. That. Yes. Yeah. Um, welcome back on the show. Uh, you've, been, you've, you've been with us on the show before in the context of your work as a stand-up comic uh, you also organized the the festrogen festival here but today you're here as a journalist um yes you 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 work at silicon luxembourg do you want to uh, give us a, a little bit of an introduction to to what you do and what and what silicon luxembourg oh does? yes thank you very much yes today i'm here with my other hats um the day job so um which i love by the way <laughs> i should make that clear so i'm a journalist for silicon luxembourg we are a magazine and a, a website a news site which has existed for, since 2013. Um, it was created by Charles-Louis Macron, um, who is a French national, has lived in Luxembourg a long time. And he basically, he saw that there was a need to really um, report on what was going on in the, the startup community. And by the way, startups, um, there's a bit of kind of confusion over what that means. And obviously, people define it differently. But for us, we consider a startup to be um, a company that has maybe that's maybe created by one person that has the, p- the potential to to scale, um, you know, with some investment or if they find the right market fit straight away. Um, but they're basically working on a product or a service that's innovative and that, that's scalable. So that doesn't always apply to every entrepreneur. You know, if you're opening a restaurant, there might not be innovation involved so um for some people they think well it does that really exist in Luxembourg but it does it does uh, there's been a huge push in the country since 2018 to encourage more people into to start their own startups and um I mean it depends who you speak to but I mean there's about 500 maybe a bit under 500 startups in Luxembourg and we write about them and uh, and everything that impacts them basically and any laws that impact them and we bring to light some of the startups you might not have heard about because that's another thing Many of these companies, they're one or two person uh, affairs. They don't have the budgets to write press releases, to have glitzy events. So um, we're there to sort of help, well, help, but to, to to expose really the sector and what's going on there. 500 startups in such a small country is really quite amazing. And I think it's uh, a scene, if you want to call it a scene, that probably a lot of people don't really realize is happening right here yeah. in Luxembourg. That's it, you guys yeah. are kind of like, the you are the main uh, platform kind of covering uh, that scene and so it's it will be great to have you guys on the shows to let our yeah. listeners uh, find out a little bit more about the exciting because it is there are some really exciting things um, being worked on oh, right here so in Luxembourg. so true all the time I meet people who are super super smart and you're just like wow um, why aren't people giving you more money you know <laughs> you really hope they do well. So the idea is that we're, we're going to have you in on a monthly basis to talk about some of those companies uh, and talk about some of the news from the wider world um, you know from the spheres of tech um, startups and business uh, this week we've got kind of three topics that we're going to have a little bit of a chat about um, for this first installment um, and uh, today you wanted to talk about the big tech layoffs that we saw in uh, 2022 um, yeah. as a first topic and then we're going to talk a little bit about nfts um, and uh, some tech fairs which are happening um, but first up uh 2022 was a big year for extensive layoffs um, at big tech employers 
Why yes. is that? Oh, my goodness, it was huge. Um, so first of all, uh, I mean, you might have heard already of the big tech employers who laid people off. So you had um, you had Amazon. They shared 10,000, 10,000 workers. That's 3% of their workforce um, in specific sectors. You had uh, Facebook Meta laying off 11,000. That's 13%. Twitter got rid of 3,700. I think Twitter was notable because of the way they laid off the staff via, via email. Um, and then there are some other names that didn't make it, you know, didn't get the headlines. You know, H. Uh, Hewlett-Packard, they, they laid off 6,000. Um, Stripe, which is a payments company, 1,000. Uh, Kraken, a crypto exchange, 1,000 again. So it all adds up. And in total, yeah, there was, a, I think Forbes made an estimate of around 152,000 employees at 1,000 tech firms were laid off, which is and a that's lot. a huge amount of people. In one year. Their jobs in yeah. one year. And, and what, what, what's the reason for this? So essentially, um, it's revenue loss and overhiring. Mm. So the tech industry, um, I mentioned um did I mention to you on the, on, uh, on radio? But since 2018, Luxembourg's been doing an awful lot about to promote, uh, to encourage tech startups. And there's been this, this huge growth in the last five years. It's been booming. And there, there are big valuations for some of the companies and a lot of growth. And how, when I mentioned earlier about startups have to scale mm-hmm. um, to, when, they, when they borrow money or they, yeah, they, they, people invest in them, they, they, to scale, of course, they have to hire staff. And so we had this period during the pandemic where a lot of startups did really, really well because everyone was moving online. But now that honeymoon period is over, and they sort of overhired during that period. Um, and I think now um, reality is starting to bite. Um, I mean, it would be okay if they continued at that, that growth pace, but they're not because we have some other, um, yeah, macroeconomic trends that, that are starting mm-hmm. to eat into the revenues. So you, you've got high interest rates. I'm sure a lot of the listeners are starting to feel the, the pain if they've got a mortgage, uh, the, the interest rates are going up. Um, then you've got... Um, Lower spending on advertising. So, you know, I think companies like Google make quite a lot of money out of advertising. Um, and all of these things have hit the sector hard. So there is less money going into the companies. So basically, all you know, in one year, all these companies were like, right, we've got to, we've got to cut costs. Where can we do it? And the easiest thing is to let go of staff. Um, but at the same time, I was going to say that some of the companies were working on a lot of innovations that were not going to be able to come to market straight mm. away. You know, Google, for example, they have... Uh, alphabet they were putting money in the smart contact lenses and delivery drones and high-flying wi-fi balloons and and facebook with the metaverse and none of these have really taken off so they've thrown lots of money at stuff that's not quite mature yet um so yeah really it's time to tighten the belt and uh, focus on the stuff that pays the bills and a lot of that is the the boring day-to-day stuff the metaverse is definitely something that you kind of you hear that it's it's coming and it's going to be here soon but it's not you know we don't exactly know where and there's you know a lot of calls for people to invest in it i believe you can already like buy property in the metaverse um, like virtual property but i mean it's not something that we've seen that we can use yet so um yeah is it, is did it, you know there are two metaverses uh, for luxembourg already oh really yeah there are two um separate companies who've created them to sort of i mean i think it's often the case with most new technology there's a period of kind of trying to, of adoption you mm-hmm. know trying to like get people on board like this is how it works have a go um it's a safe space to make mistakes and that was the idea of these these two guys who, who built their own meta metaverses um and but i think some people are still unsure about what the purpose is like is it just a marketing platform um i mean ultimately it, it, the idea is that we can do everything there you know you can do your shopping there for example but um 
then, then you have people who are like, well, if this is going to be the next big thing, I, I, they bought up land and they're speculating. And mm-hmm. we saw that some of the, the virtual land prices becoming ridiculous already last year. But we, we've heard about all these people that have now lost their jobs, uh, yeah. you know, um, that I guess were uh, working on the metaverse, possibly, and uh, mm-hmm. a bunch of other companies that you that you mentioned there. I mean, how are, are these people going to be able to find work easily um, coming out from this? Are, are there are there um, jobs available in the tech industry that they can move into? Yes. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Um, please, if, if any of them are listening to this, come to Europe because we need you. Um, there's a massive tech skills shortage in the European continent, and that's mostly because the there was so much more employment in the states. You know, these big tech companies were luring over the, the best talent with huge salaries and nice packages. And now, you know, the the honeymoon period is over, and, and uh, Europe is is desperately needing these skills. There was actually a report from last year from the European Commission. It found that 55% of companies that recruited or hired, um, tried to recruit ICT specialists, had difficulties. Um, We have about 9 million ICT specialists. I know this is quite broad, ICT, but there are obviously Mm -hmm. lots of sub-segments within that. Um, But we have 9 million um, on the European continent, but they want, the EU wants to double, more than double that number by 2030, so that we would have 20 million to close this gap on digital skills. Um, So it could be potentially quite good for Europe, um, assuming that the European employers are not impacted by these macroeconomic trends that I mentioned earlier, because we all are, you know, inflation rates are high. So, um, but maybe maybe they won't work for a startup in Europe. Maybe they will um, already. And I read <clears throat> in America that the public sector is looking to recruit some of them. Um, and the public sector, for example, in Luxembourg, I'm sure would would be interested too. And that's that offers a bit more job security. I think once you've been fired from a company, maybe you're looking for something a bit more secure. Because okay, sure, they have these really good skills, but it's also quite traumatic on a human level to be fired. And I read stories of some people who were just um, they were finishing their degrees, and the one thing they had to do to finish their degree was an internship, and they had an internship secured with Google or what have you. Um, uh, sorry, possibly not Google. I shouldn't mention specific names because yeah. I don't remember the name of the company. Anyway, uh, then the the the, the 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 firing began and uh, they lost their spot you know and that that's super stressful if you're trying to get your first you know finish your degree first of all and, and move on but anyway all that to say I, I think they will be okay there are, there are employers out there and uh, be interesting to see um, if in fact some of these end up creating their own startups um, I mean you mentioned those economic conditions that led to these um, these mass firings by these huge companies you think that they would be able to weather those uh, conditions more than possibly smaller startups um are they i mean are startups feeling the the same kind of um stress from from the economic climate as the as the huge companies which have had to make these layoffs i think that a big issue for startups with the these trends is that many most of them will want to get funding you know they'll look for uh venture capital funding or funding from business angels but because there's less money available, uh, because it's being eaten up by interest rates, um, venture capitalists um, and business angels are starting to be much more severe about or much more um, careful, let's say, about where they're putting their money. So the problem for startups will be accessing that finance. And will be interesting to see this year 
if there's much available at all, because that can be a make or break, mm. because you need a lot of investment in the early stage, depending on what you're doing, of course, but there's a lot of research and development that goes into the developing this innovation. And you, so you need that cash at the beginning to pay those salaries, uh, to pay these ICT workers or whatever. It could be biotechnology. So, um, yeah, if the money's not there, that could be a problem for startups in Europe. Sounds to me like um, that could kind of, as a knock-on effect, uh, produce like a slowing down of innovation and and evolution. Potentially, yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, well, hopefully that's not the case. <laughs> um, the next topic you want to talk about is the NFT, um, because I think NFT is a word that a lot of people have been heard kind of thrown around here and there. You know, uh, I still don't exactly know what one is, so maybe you can enlighten me. <laughs> um yeah, uh, I'll try. Uh, I don't own any NFTs, but I've, I've been watching them from a distance this past year. So NFT, it's a non-fungible token. I know what. Um, it's essentially a unique uh, digital asset, assets, a thing, an object, a possession, um, which is recorded in a digital ledger that can't be falsified. So like an when you imagine ledger, you know, you think about the old fashioned accounting books that used to have these big pages. But this is a digital version of that. And of course, it's called blockchain. Um, mm. Sorry, I hope I'm not talking down to you. But it's, yeah. it's, uh, it's a lot of um, it's a lot to understand if you if, if this is the first time you're hearing about these things on the radio. So basically, these NFTs are all record mostly recorded in one particular blockchain that is called Ethereum. And that's uh, so it means they're tied to the Ether coin. So they the, the NFT is kind of a certificate of ownership um, and it can be anything. It can be a drawing, it can be music, it could even be your brain downloaded and turned into an AI. Um, but mostly the excitement right now is about using um, NFTs to sell digital arts. So um, one of the thing, one of the names that people always quote is this artist called Beeple. And um, he was just a regular artist or, you know, not very well known. And then... In 2021, he sold an NFT for 69 million US dollars at Christie's. Crazy, right? And so that started like heads turning, like, oh my goodness, what is this? Um, uh, I mean, then at the same time, or even before that, sorry, in 2017, you had a group called CryptoPunks, and they had the idea that NFTs could be like a collection. You know, you could keep, get have people coming back to buy more, or you create value because there's a rarity that you create a collection. I don't know if when you were a kid, did you ever collect those Panini sticker books? Oh yeah, yeah. World Cup ones. And yeah, Pokemon so you were collecting ones, the stickers course, yeah. essentially, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe there was one sticker that was really hard to get, and so it's a bit like that. So it creates this um, this kind of kudos. So is this kind of like a, just a modern day Pokemon cards for adults? <laughs> for, to a certain extent, for some of them, I mean, they are there's a, a lot of different use cases. But yeah, I mean, you could have a set amount of these different NFTs. Um, one one classic example is called the Bored Ape Yacht Club. Have you heard of them? I haven't. Okay, so they they basically um, uh, these apes. They basically, you know, just a, a visual uh, template of an ape, and they have I think it's ten thousand altogether. They've got different fur types, facial expressions, clothing, and each attribute has a rarity that makes them more valuable than others. Basically, uses profile pictures, mm-hmm. and it's it's like a status symbol. So um, the is, the idea is that there's only one owner of this digital yes. art, and the and it, you can kind of ensure your ownership by the blockchain, which is a kind of 
code which is available for every user yeah to you see. can prove so you could mm -hmm. use that um for whatever you want to do however you know there's a bit of criticism because essentially you can just drag and drop a photo <laughs> you know you could just use something exactly you could you think a digital image could be copied infinite yeah. amount of times but um the nft means that only one person owns that yeah. image it's theirs kind of, but you know but that's not something you can really touch but or... it kind of depends what you want to do with the image right let's say um so i think a few like rock stars and stuff have uh board ape um um nfts as their profile pictures on twitter for example um if you were to like drag and drop their nft and then make a t-shirt and sell that i mean they could totally sue you right because they own the copyright to that image mm. but if it's just you using it on something that they're not going to see i guess you know but it, it's basically a status symbol like look i've got money i can afford my own board eight yacht club and is this something uh, that's kind of here to stay are people still as excited about nfts as they were um when they started or is this a kind of a fad that we'll see come and go i think it's going to be a wave thing so last year there was a lot of excitement um in luxembourg too there were people trying it there's this now some meetups and interest groups that exist here um, there were a couple of artists here who were issuing their own NFTs. The most famous was Sumo, you probably know, who designed, whose designs are on some of the Luxair planes. Um, but um, what was I going to say? Um, whether it was a kind of something that we'll see kind of go out of fashion. Right. Or yeah. So I think it's um, a lot of people are seeing what happened last year as kind of a watershed mm -hmm. to sort of get rid of this. Because um, on the other hand, you had people who were like, this is a status symbol. And then the other, there were people who were buying and then trying to speculate and sell and make more money. And uh, I think the status symbol is like, okay, fair enough. But if you're going to speculate, um, there were some people in the market, in the industry who were like, this is not what the sort of people we want to attract. Um, so they're now examining or pushing different use cases for the NFT, which they think could give it more longevity. So one could be NFT gaming, where you have, um, uh, it's... Oh, <laughs> um, where you basically it's an in-game asset you win it and you reach a specific level or something like that and then you've got nfts as a form of membership and in fact board ape yacht, ape yacht club is that it is like a membership card you get access to some crazy events on islands and things like that um i read or i, or I heard about um a museum in new york that had tried to appeal to a new um, clientele uh, by issuing NFTs and they attracted completely different people. Basically, they're sustained by middle-aged women. Okay. And so they attracted these young kind of gamer types and the gamers were like, they were like, well, what do you want in return for your NFT? They're like, we just want to have a private tour of the museum, you know, or spend, some, spend time in, in a room in the museum on my own, you know, these things which are quite exclusive. So, that, you know, it gives you a membership card with some benefits. And then the last thing is... Um, NFTs, they think we're going to be like a foundation for a shop in the metaverse or for commerce, mm -hmm. commercial activity. Um, but uh, how soon these bounce 